While you're standing there, let's join in prayer one more time this morning. Lord, I thank you. This is the prayer of our hearts, is that, God, there would be an awakening in every single one of us. Lord, where things maybe have become dormant, I'm asking you to speak life and that something will awaken in our soul like the deer that pants for the water. God, where people are going through those parched experiences, would you do what the prophet said? Would you send them those kinds of rains that are like the latter rain and the former rain or the spring and the autumn rain together? Just flood their lives with your presence and your spirit. Lord, we pray for this wonderful community we live in. We're asking for an awakening. And so many people who know about God but maybe just aren't persuaded that God takes note of them. Lord, I pray that there will be a rich awakening in our hearts that we can share out of just a total overflow of what you're doing in us with them. And now in the next few minutes as we study your word together, would you give us ears to hear and hearts that are willing to apply what you're saying to us? For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Well, let's turn around and greet each other, love each other in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. A few weeks ago, I conclusion of the service, I prayed something that um, I had never prayed in our church before, and I'm going to share with you something that in 18 years of being your pastor, I've never said anything like this to the church before. But I don't know if you remember, I prayed a few weeks ago, God, would you shake our church, and would you shake our nation, and would you shake out all of those things that are dead and bring us a harvest? And I want to ask you guys, can you give us a little more light? Turn up the light in the sanctuary and especially on this side. And I had never prayed anything like that before, but I had something happen here on the platform and um, I've taken a few weeks just to pray and think about it. I am not a mystical person, but that morning, the reason I prayed that way was there's just this real nudge from the Holy Spirit to pray that, and while I was praying, what I was seeing was a tree being shaken and all of the dead branches and dead leaves and limbs falling out of it, but at the same time, there were all of these nuts that were falling and people were harvesting them. And I've just kind of sat on that for a few weeks. And I really felt like in this message today, I kind of needed to open up and just share that with you. And my prayer has been, God, shake us. Shake out of my life anything that's dead, that anything that's not producing fruit. But at the same time, Lord, let this be a time of harvest for us. Let this be a harvest season in our lives. Where I come from in Georgia, we have, I grew up with pecan plantations around me, pecan orchards. I learned to run. Daddy taught me how to run in a pecan orchard, and I have a really good friend in South Georgia that has a huge pecan plantation, and um, he's just a man of faith. He just loves God, and one day we went out and we prayed over his pecan orchard, because typically you get two, sometimes you'll get three nuts to a cluster, but we prayed that God would prosper and bless his business for some things he wanted to do for missions, and that year, his pecan trees produced five pecans per cluster. They had to put, take uh, Brant, they had to take braces and put up under the pecan trees to hold the, the, hold the limbs up. They were so heavy with fruit on it, with the pecans. And the Georgia Department of Agriculture sent somebody out to do an article on it because it was just so unusual. And he called me and I came down for the day when they bought those big machines in and they harvested those pecans. And I've seen this happen so much, but they, they shake the tree and dead branches and dead leaves fall out. But just, you don't want to be under it because it just rains pecans. It just comes falling to the ground and then the harvesters come along and pick it up. 
One of my dear friends is in heaven now, Bobby Wilson. Bobby was a consultant for the nation of Israel for their secretary of agriculture. He introduced Kianina cattle into the United States. If I was to call the man's name that he also did the purchasing of his cattle for, you would know him because he's a nationally known figure. But I remember Bobby and I sitting on his ranch one day and we just prayed over his, his, his cattle, these Kianina cows, these heifers, because one bull alone is worth twenty-five dollars to $50,000, one bull alone. And Bobby had some great things he wanted to do for the Lord. His farm is the one that President Eisenhower bird hunted upon. It's where the national dog trials were held at Bob. It was just a fascinating place to be. And uh, we prayed. And friends, I am, Lord is my witness. I'm not exaggerating. These aren't the kinds of things that I say a lot. But those calves, those, those heifers began dropping twins. You're looking at $50,000 every time they would drop those twins. You see, nothing is impossible with God. And my prayer right now, and I really believe this is a word from the Lord for us as Woodland. God, shake us. Shake the dead stuff out of us. Shake the dead stuff out of our lives. And I am so hungry and I am so desperate for a deep and a rich move of God in my life. And when I say that to you, you need to understand, I'm not saying that out of a point where there's anything wrong in my life. As a matter of fact, this is a wonderful, wonderful season of life for me right now. I, I'm not praying that because there's things going wrong. My, my marriage is wonderful. I'm blessed with my children, my grandchildren. I need, we need a miracle for Josiah. I, I love you. I love this community. I have so many friends and family in this community. It's, I'm praying these things not because there's anything wrong, but I was recently at a networking event for the Downriver community, and I was amazed how many people knew about our church, and they knew you, and were coming up and said, oh, Pastor Clanton, I've wanted to meet you, and talking about our church. Becky and some of the ladies went to uh, the trunk or treat for Brownstown, and people were coming up, and Don, you'll remember, Dave, you'll remember 18 years ago when we did the study for the name change, one of the things that had happened, our church's name had suffered some harm in the community, and one of the things we were concerned about was the reputation of our church, and uh, that was part of the reason for the renaming of the church. There's nothing wrong with the name Trinity. It was just we wanted a fresh start with new pastor, fresh start, and we changed the name to Woodland Church. And I just marvel at what God has done for us and the reputation we enjoy in our community and that because of you, I get to enjoy in our community as well. But I really feel like this is from the Lord as well. And you know I don't, I've never said anything like this in the 18 years as your pastor. And if you're visiting with us and this freaks you out, please, I am not on meds, I am not drunk, and I am not weird, okay? Come back next week and I promise you I won't be talking anything like this. But my heart is so full, especially with the message that I'm bringing to you this morning. If there's anything dangerous, it's when you get a good reputation. Because when you get a good reputation, it can lull you to sleep. When you get a good reputation, you can rest on your laurels and you can miss what God wants to do in your life because you can say, everything is good. This is a good season in my life, but I am so hungry for God and I am so hungry for the work of the Holy Spirit in our community. Our community needs Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? So I want you to join with me in prayer for that today. Would you, let's give him a hand of praise and just say, Lord, we want an awakening. We want an awakening. And I'm so thankful, Dan, for the song you guys just led. Now, to the message this morning. I pray that maybe that that I've just shared with you will kind of just help you key in on what I want to share with you from the word of the Lord this morning. Back in the day before GPSs and before iPhones, when I could say to Siri, take me home. And wherever I'm at, Siri would take me home. And it would give me turn-by-turn directions. Back in that, before that time came along, we had to rely on maps. And if you didn't have a map, something about me as a man, I don't know if any of the rest of you guys in here are like this, but we would be driving and occasionally Becky would look at me and she would say, do you know where you're at? And I wouldn't answer I'd just keep driving. And a few minutes later, she'd say again, Dennis, do you know where you're at? And I'd say, Becky, I know what I'm doing. Just let me drive. How many of you know that in some of us men, it is just totally against our nature to stop at the 7-Eleven and ask for directions? 
that kid behind the counter doesn't know anything about where we're going anymore. You know, it's just, it's just something about us as men. We don't want to ask for directions. Matter of fact, the other day, my son brought that up to me, and he says, Dad, do you remember that time where Mom said the map looked kind of funny, but you kept on, and we almost went into the Mississippi River because you didn't know there was no bridge across the river? And I thought to myself, I was hoping you had forgotten that, you know, and we had to turn around and drive for hours all the way back. I get it naturally because my father, coming home one time from vacation, turned the wheel over to my mother and took a nap and was convinced when he woke up that my mother went the wrong direction. And so we couldn't convince him that mother had been on the right track. He drove all the way back to where he turned the car over to mother before he would admit that he was wrong. So I guess there's this trait in us sometimes as men, we just hate to ask for directions. Billy Graham was talking about this one time, and he asked a little boy for some directions on how to get to the church he was supposed to preach at when he was younger. And the little boy was telling him how to get to the church, and so Billy Graham looked at the little boy and said, well, son, can I tell you how to get to heaven? And he looked at him and says, mister, if you don't know how to get to church, how are you going to tell me how to get to heaven? <laughs> You know, those, we're all looking for direction. We're all looking for those nudges in life. And Becky was trying to nudge me, stop and ask for direction. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 that God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Would you read that out loud with me this morning? God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Life is an adventure. Life is not meant to be dull, it's not meant to be boring, it's not meant to somehow or another we just go to work to eat, to go to work to eat, to go to work to eat. That's not the way God intended life to be. God has an adventure for each and every single one of us. For Peter, it was an adventure when the Holy Spirit told him to go to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. We looked at that in the series on the book of Acts, and he went and he preached to the Gentiles. For Paul, it was an adventure as he was going to persecute those early Christians, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him on the road to Damascus, and he said, Saul, why are you kicking against the pricks? You know, you're persecuting me, Jesus. For Philip, it was an adventure. Remember how Philip was preaching this great revival, and then suddenly the... Holy Spirit just led him to go out into the, to the desert, and there he had this encounter with the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and boy, Ethiopia experienced revival because of this one man's testimony, and then the Holy Spirit, poof, just catches him away, and you say, Pastor, do you really believe that? Yes, I really, really believe that. I just hope he never does it to me, <laughs> okay? He just, poof, he just catches him away and whisks him away to somewhere else, and there he continues to preach. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is a miracle-working God. Can we give him a hand of praise this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes I wonder why more people don't just get excited and passionate about following Jesus and understanding that this life is a real, real adventure when you follow the Lord closely and when you say, Lord, have your will, have your way in me. And this morning in the message, I want to just talk to you about how the Holy Spirit nudges us sometime. Earlier this summer, I, as we were preaching through the book of Acts, I preached a message to you on, on how the early church, as we studied the Word, the early church applied themselves to the study of the Word. They applied themselves to practicing the Word, to living out the Word. It wasn't until the early part of the last century that this whole deal about discovering God's will and finding God's will became a big deal because the church understood that the will of God is revealed to us in the Bible. It's up to us to study the Bible and to apply the Bible to our lives. And when we live by its principles, we can be assured we're walking smack dab in the middle of the will of God. Amen? And so that's why when I share with you an experience like I did this morning as I opened this message, those aren't the things I look for. But when they happen, I can put my money in the bank on them. When they happen, it's because I don't seek after signs and wonders and I don't seek after those kind of experiences. I seek one thing and one thing only and that is that I may know the Lord and love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and that I may love my neighbor as myself. That's what I seek after in life and God is faithful to give us those nudges along the way. 
Byron Kloss, who was the former president of the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, I thought this was just such a powerful statement when he was talking about Jesus of the past and Jesus of the future. He said, the problem is so many people believe in the Jesus of the Bible in the past, but so many people believe in the Jesus of the future that's coming to rapture us away. He said, what the church needs is people who believe in the Jesus of the present, who is living with us and present among us by his Holy Spirit and leads us and guides us all along the way. Can you say amen to that? And so I believe that when I talk to God in prayer, I believe that God talks to me through his word and sometimes gives me those nudges in the Holy Spirit. And I know some people think that's weird. Lily Tomlin's famous for saying once, she said, why is it that when people talk to God, they call it to prayer? But when somebody hears the voice of God or God talks to them, we call it schizophrenia. And I think it's because there have been so many people who have claimed God has spoke to them and then they did something weird or they've hurt somebody or they've done something contrary to the scripture or they've launched out without really thinking it through. That's what I'd like to take you through this morning. But I'd also like to say this. The fact that God spoke to you or the fact that God spoke to me, now listen to this carefully. The fact that God speaks to us doesn't mean we're special. The fact that I had that encounter about a month ago before I closed the service and prayed and I just shared it, that doesn't, that doesn't make me special at all. God once used a donkey. The King James Version says an ass. God once used a donkey to talk to Balaam, this false prophet, and said, turned around and spoke to him. He said, Pastor, you believe that, that God really used a donkey? Yes, I believe that, and I believe a great fish swallowed up Jonah, and I believe that Jesus took and multiplied the loaves. I believe he multiplied the fish, and I believed he turned the water into wine. I just hope he won't do that to our communion service sometime. You know, I believe all of that. But he turned and he, he spoke to that donkey. And I want to tell you something. The fact that God spoke to you doesn't make you any more special than a donkey. Okay? The fact that God spoke to you doesn't make you any more special. And sometimes we want to make and elevate people. Friends, we're all in this thing together. Amen? We give honor to whom honor is due, and we don't go around chasing after signs and wonders. So here are some things first before I talk about the nudges. Number one, don't make the mistake of ignoring reason or overvaluing reason. Don't make the mistake of ignoring reason or overvaluing reason. Your mind is a gift to you from God. You're to use your mind. You're to think. You're to reason. When Paul, one of the most logical thinkers that ever lived, he talks about our worship. He calls our worship our logical spiritual worship. He also writes in that famous book of Galatians, he talks about how the desires that we have sometimes can war against the desires of the Holy Spirit. For the desires of the flesh or our self-will are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What's he saying? Well, love wars against lust. Selfishness wars against generosity. You know, loving my neighbor includes loving those that are different from me. There's that battle that goes on between us all the time. You know, the uh, sacrificial lifestyle, like our, a servant lifestyle, like our Lord lived, it, it wars against an independent, self-sufficient, I want to be my own God, own type. There's this war, and we have to learn how to distinguish between what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. We learn that from the Word, and then trusting and applying that. The second thing is... Don't make the mistake of waiting too long on the Lord or failing to wait patiently on the Lord. Don't ever make the mistake of waiting too long. There are people that are still in Lakeland, Florida, where I went to college. I'm 62. Some of them are older than me. And they've spent their whole lives waiting on God to tell them what to do. When you read the Bible and the Bible tells you to love your neighbor, when you read the Bible and the Bible tells you to give, when you read the Bible and the Bible tells you to forgive, when you read the Bible and the Bible tells you to share your faith, you don't have to wait for a nudge from the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for a sign in the sky. We simply do what God says. Amen? Now, there are some times that we need to wait patiently. Sometimes we need to build relationships before we come in and start sharing the Word of God. Sometimes we need to build credibility before we come in and start sharing the Word of God. 
I have building relationships now that, that I've had years of sowing into those relationships to finally getting a foot in the door to begin to speak and to talk to people. So don't wait too long, but don't fail to wait patiently. They went through the region of Phrygia, the Bible says in Acts 16, and Galatia, and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What happened? Paul was a very determined man. Paul was a man with a plan. He was a great planner. He was a great strategist and a great organizer. He organized churches. He set in order pastors of those churches. He just was a great strategist. But once when he was headed to Asia and he was bound for Asia. He was going to preach there. This is the man that was shipwrecked. This was the man that was beaten. This was the man who had gone through so many trials. You know he was a determined man. He was going to Asia, but as he prayed, somehow or another he felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit, don't go to Asia. Well, it's awfully hard once you've got a plan. It's awfully hard once you've raised a team for a plan. It's awfully hard once you've invested into a plan. How many of you know that when you've got a plan, you've raised a team for the plan, you've raised the money for the plan, you've invested for the plan, you don't want to give up that plan? Hmm? It's awful quiet in here today. I mean, when you get a plan, you want to follow that plan through because some of us are like that guy on the A-team. We just love it when a plan comes together as we chomp down on our, or as you chomp down on your cigar. We love it when that plan comes together. The fact of the matter is, Paul had a plan, but then the Holy Spirit stopped him and he led him to, to eat to Europe. And friends, that's one of the reasons that we're here today because God found such fertile ground in the hearts of all those warring tribes, those backwards tribes. They were called barbarians. God found a heart of people that wanted to hear the gospel and the rest is history. The Bible says, Philippians 4, 7, that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is like the gyroscope. That if I get off balance, then I know I lose my peace. And I would not propose, look me right here in the eye, I would not propose to live 60 seconds outside of the will of God. I would not propose to live 60 seconds outside of the peace of God. And if I lost my peace, I would stop immediately and get before the Lord and get some counselors around me and say, I need you to help me get back to a balanced life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Get back to a balanced life. And so many people miss it because their lives are out of balance. And then finally, before we move ahead with the growth work this morning, don't make the mistake of trying to limit the Holy Spirit. Don't make the mistake of trying to limit what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you. And I know when we think about signs and wonders or we think about an encounter like I just shared with you just now, you know, sometimes we hunger, we want those kinds of things. I just want what God wants. But we sometimes mistake the greatest miracle of all. Now look right here. The greatest miracle of all is not that I had that encounter with the Lord. The greatest miracle of all is not that you've been healed from cancer. The greatest miracle of all is not that God restored your marriage. The greatest miracle of all is that God became human. God loved us, humus, humus, human, humus is dirt. God loved us so much that this dirt he fashioned into our bodies and breathed his life into us and somehow or another, and, 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 and somehow this has got to penetrate our hearts because there is an arrogance that has crept into the world today where we mock God, we mock and provoke God as human beings, and somehow or another we think the thing that is created is going to shake or loosen God's hold upon this world. We question God as though somehow or another people made from the dirt and breathed, the breath of life breathed into us, and somehow or another we threaten God, let all all the atheists of the world scream. Let all the antagonists toward God scream. Let all the doubters scream. Your screaming and your mocking and your laughter does not threaten God one bit and it does not threaten passionate followers of Jesus Christ. We know that God has called us to be more. Say that word with me. More. Not just overcome, but God has called us to be more than overcomers. And we know this because God loved us so much that he became man and he died for our sins at Calvary. Not 
nothing could atone for our sins but the blood of Jesus. The greatest miracle of all is that Christians have been forgiven of their sins and born again by God's Holy Spirit. That's the greatest miracle in the world. Just think how much the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God, to himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Please don't limit the Holy Spirit. God saved you, look at me, because he loves you. And God wants a relationship with you. It would be awful to live with Becky and not have relationship with Becky, to never talk, to never go for a walk, to never hold hands. It would be awful to raise our four children and to never walk, never talk, never hug them, never embrace them. It would be awful to be a grandfather and never get to walk or talk. Last time I was down to see them, Becky told me that Davin loves to run, and so I said to Davin one day, you want to run with Papa? Uh-huh. <laughs> so we went outside, and I'd let him get ahead of me, and he'd be running. He'd be looking back. He'd say, Davin, keep your eyes ahead. And he said, Papa, Papa. And I'd come up beside him, and he'd look at me, and we'd run together. And I saw in that child, he was wanting to imitate me, and we got home, and I, I sat down on the stairs of Andrew and Dana's house, and I was sitting there like this, and Davin came, and he sat down just like this, and then he spread his legs apart, and so I leaned back on the stairs, and Davin leaned back on the stairs. I put my hands behind my head. He put his hands behind his head, and I said, I need water. He goes, I need water. And we went and we drank water. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. When you're in love with your father, when you're in love with your father in heaven, you want to be with him. You want to be like him. And more than that, God wants to be with you. Davin will never remember that day, but I will never forget that day. You may have forgotten the goodness of God, but God never forgets you and me this morning. Hallelujah. 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 God never forgets, and my computer turned off, and Siri's talking to me. Shut up. <laughs> I paid for you. Don't talk back to me. <laughs> Dallas Willard says, she was telling me something you don't want to know. An obsession merely with doing all God commands may be the very thing that rules out being the kind of person that he calls us to be. You see, it's been my experience in life that people who just want to make rules and follow rules, they miss out on being what God wants them to be. There is a relationship that God has with us. And you say, well, pastor, I believe that, but how, how do I get there? How do I hear the voice of the Lord? I want you to welcome Todd Lutze to the platform, and I also want you to welcome Pastor Mark to the platform. Will you two guys come up here and help me this morning? Come on up. Welcome them up. Todd and Mark are going to help me, and some of you don't know it, but you're going to help me. Selena, you're going to help me. I want you to hold that. Just let, don't let them see it yet. Keith, I want you to hold this one. Don't let them see it yet. Dan, come help me. I want you to hold this one. Don't let them see it. You're going to be on this section. And then, come here, Biggin. Yeah. I want you to help me. I'm drawing a blank. What's your name? Josh. Josh, I'm sorry. I was thinking Justin. Josh, Josh is a young preacher, was a youth pastor, and we're really glad to have him apart. Best thing about him is that Kim Addison is his mama, so um, and I'm glad you're here. All right, so hold that for me. Now, Todd is going to represent the, a follower of Jesus. Todd is the husband of Lori. Stand up, Lori, over there, and he's also the daddy of Madison and Brooke. And I see Brooke there, but I don't see Madison. Where's she at? 
She's at Central Michigan this weekend. Tell her I called her out in church this morning, okay? All right, yeah. And, and Madison, is, Madison said, I could never leave Michigan until after I do her wedding one day. So I'm looking forward to that day, and I hope it's a real long time, don't you? Yeah, Todd's an engineer at Ford, and we're really glad he and Laura are here, and everybody knows Pastor Mark. Now, what I want to talk to you about is that it can be kind of difficult. You got your notes I gave you? Okay, I need you to get over here. Mark is the Holy Spirit. Doesn't he look like the Holy Spirit? He just looks holy, doesn't he? Just holy. And Todd is, Todd's going to be over here. Todd's a passionate follower of Jesus. And all I've asked them to do this morning is Todd's going to say, I'm so worried, I'm so angry, I'm so afraid. He's going to say that three times. And in the meantime, Selena, will you stand and hold your sign up to this part of the... I want all of you to say this very loud. I'm so angry, I'm so angry, I'm so angry. And then Keith, would you stand? Keith's another one of our preachers, and it says, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. Dan is a preaching deacon, and uh, what does your say, Dan? I'm so worried, I'm so worried, and then Josh is going to hold up. Oh, you're getting excited over here. Here are the carnal people over here. Uh, money, money, money. You're getting all excited. Now, what I want to happen here is I want us all talking. For once in my life, I'm going to be quiet. I want all of you talking at one time. And I want you, Todd, going, I'm so worried. I'm so angry. I'm so afraid, just like we talked, chatted about. And then at the same time, Mark, I want you to read what I have there for you to read to him. So you two look at each other. And on the count of three, let's practice first. What does your sign say? Let me hear you say, I'm so angry. What does your sign say? And they're still the loudest group in the church, okay? I want you all saying it at the same time on the count of three. You ready? Todd, you, you're going to go at the same time. You're going to go at the same time. One, two, three. Stop, stop, stop. It's the director's fault. It's not your fault. It's the director's fault. I want you to say it with passion. I want you to, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so worried. I'm so worried. Money, money, money. Okay, can you do that? All right. On the count of three. One, two, three. Stop. Todd. Could you hear the Holy Spirit? No. You couldn't hear him at all? He was talking to you. I could hear him. I couldn't understand what he was saying. You couldn't understand what he was saying. And I think the reason when you agree, Todd, is because all of these outside influences in your life right then kept you from hearing the Holy Spirit. Yes. And you see, that's the way it is in life. All of us have got these outside influences. Anger, worry, fear, Money, your mama wouldn't like that. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that go through our mind. So right now, I want everybody to be, not a cell phone, I want everybody to be quiet. And Mark, I'd like you to tell, read to Todd what I wrote for you there. I want you to know two things. First, you are deeply loved by the Father. Second, is I have something for you to do. Your friend Mike is hurting and being tempted. I'd like you to give him some encouraging words. Could you hear that? Yes. What? Could you hear that, Garrett? Yeah. Yep. Could you hear that, Dr. Gilreath? Yep. Could you hear that, Fred? Yep. Could you hear that, Ed? You see, it's not that God's not talking, but the Bible gives us a perfect picture of Elijah, an earthquake a fire, and a wind. But it was only when things got quiet that Elijah heard, and if you know it, say it with me, the still, small voice of the Lord. Would you give them a hand? Todd, thank you so much. Mark, thank you. So how do we hear God? How do we experience those nudges from the Holy Spirit when we're working, when we're raising our children I'm going to ask you all to stand with me, and we're going to read a psalm together out loud. 
It's a psalm that I'm going to ask you to read out loud every day this week and then just go over these three little growth points I'm going to give you. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Well done. Well done. God bless you. You can be seated now. This psalm is all about, listen, relationship. That's what it's about. It's about your relationship to God and God's relationship to you. God wants a deep relationship with you. It's one of the reasons we chose that phrase, passionate follower of Christ. And what do we do? We celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. This morning when I went out for my early morning run, I was laughing and thinking and praying at the same time, but Becky got home from Toronto last night during our fourth Saturday prayer, and uh, when I got home, she met me at the door, gave me a big hug and a kiss, and she had dinner on the stove, cooking dinner for us, and so I walked over to the stove where she was cooking, and, uh, and she just hugged me, she just kissed me, she just told me she's missed me, I've told her I've missed her, and there was a pot of green beans, I love green beans, and I reached in the pot and grabbed one, and suddenly, I mean, in the twinkling of an eye, she smacked my hand really hard, made me drop my green bean back in the pot. <laughs> she said, you know better than that. I looked at her and says, my beans, my pot. I she smacked my hand again. <laughs> of course, we're laughing. She says, wait till dinner served. I'm out running this morning. It's cold and I'm sweating and I'm thinking about that and I'm laughing and then suddenly it dawns on me, that's the way it is. That's the way it is in my relationship with the Lord. There's all this relationship where he comforts me, he leads me beside still waters, he embraces me, but buddy, when I do something wrong, his rod and staff come along and smack me real good. But it lets me know I'm loved. If God didn't love me, he wouldn't work in my life to correct me and to discipline me. And I want that kind of relationship with him. So how do you recognize a nudge from the Holy Spirit? Look at this passage in Luke 24. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I want you to circle that phrase, burn within us, and then the scriptures. You see, there's a quality about people who prayerfully live in the word of God that the word of God begins to burn. It's more than just printed words on a page. Suddenly, the word begins to burn in their hearts because you come before him prayerfully. Here's how you do it. Number one, you pray. Pray just like the word tells us to do. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Let's read that together as a prayer. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. Now, how many of you know that if God put that prayer in the Bible for us to pray, God wants to answer that prayer? Amen. Amen? So I believe when I get on my knees and I study my Bible devotionally and I'm preparing for a message, I fully anticipate the Holy Spirit speak. Not, I don't typically have a vision or I don't typically hear words in my, you know, but I, I, the word becomes alive inside of me. Look at this next one. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. Let's pray that one out loud. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. You see, I think it's sheer folly to go read the Bible without at first just bowing your heads to pray and say, Lord, would you open my eyes, and would you help me to understand this? How are you going to approach the Word of God with our minds and understand it without the Holy Spirit's help. I mean, he will help you as you read it. Let's read this third prayer together. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. Stop, whoa, whoa. Give me understanding and I, 
I thought it said I will decide if I want to obey your instructions. That's not what it says, is it? In other words, you've got to make up your mind, God, I'm going to obey your word if you want the Holy Spirit to illuminate you and to help you understand. You've got to have a heart set upon pleasing God and not trying to rationalize it away, reason it away, or question it, but just say, Lord, give me understanding and I will obey your instructions and I will put them into practice with all my heart. Number two, after you pray and you read the word, reflect upon the word. Just, that's another way of saying you're going to meditate. You, it's different than thinking. When you reflect, you begin to imagine. You begin to say, what would my life look like if I love my wife as Christ loved the church? What would my life look like if somehow or another I raised my children in the nurture, in the ad- what does the nurture and the admonition of the Lord look like? What would my life look like if I sought the Lord before I began my day and I said, Lord, order my footsteps. What does a life look like when the Holy Spirit orders your footsteps? And you begin to imagine it and you begin to see it as you pray about it and think about it. You remember those verses of scripture that you studied. Before Bob, and and I can't remember his last name right now, but before Bob moved away, Bob was giving me golf lessons and um, we would play down in Monroe at least once a week and he helped my game so much and I haven't played a lot since I got sick in Asia and had those surgeries because I can't torque all the way around anymore, but I will never forget there was this one hole that every time we got to that hole, I would put my golf ball in the lake. So one day he said, Pastor, he said, we're going to fix this. He said, every time we get to this hole, something's happening and you're going to the lake every time. And so he watched me set up. He watched me take my grip. He watched me do some practice swings. And he said, okay, now I want you to get ready to swing. And I was going back. He said, stop. You're in your backswing. What do you see right now? I said, what do I see? He says, what's in your mind right now? I said, honestly, it's that big tree to the left of the green. He said, that's why you're going into the lake. You're trying to miss the tree rather than focusing upon the green. I want you to forget the tree, and I want you to see in your mind the green. And friends, I want to tell you something. I never went in the lake again. I didn't always get on the green, but I never went into the lake again. You see, reflection, meditating upon the word, that's not some new age deal where you're trying to psych something up. It's what does a life look like when Jesus is Lord of your home, when he's Lord of your marriage, when you're raising your children. What does your business look like? What does your job look like? Because the best performing people in the world ought to be the body of Christ. Can you say amen to that? Let's give him a hand of praise there, would you? So... Psalms 119 and verse 15, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Now, what he's saying, he says, Lord, I'm going to reflect upon what I read from the word. And then finally this morning, you apply the word of God. In other words, you live it out. You practice it. You you start taking those practice swings. Not long ago, Christopher said, Dad, I want your golf clubs since you don't play anymore. And I said, well, son, I'm going to play again one day. He says, Dad, you can't torque anymore. He said, you just take a half a swing. Let me have your golf clubs. And I didn't want him to have my golf clubs until I got to thinking about it. And then I had a thought. If I give Chris my 25-year-old golf clubs, I can get a new set of golf clubs. Can I, Becky? (laughs) I'm going to that insurance company where we get the rebate and I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Have you seen that commercial? Isn't that cool? (laughs) And so I said, Chris, you can have my golf clubs because I'm going to get a new set of golf clubs. And so secretly, I'm getting a set of golf clubs. And I've been practicing again. And it's been so much fun to practice. I'm really way off, but my neighbor, he goes down to the park. And so I went down to watch him the other day. He's got this orange circle plastic thing about two or three times the size of a basketball hoop. And he just, poof, he puts every single ball inside the hoop. And then it's just a matter of putting. He's my new hero because he's going to teach me how to do that with my new golf clubs. And I told him I can't torque anymore. I can only take a half swing. He said, that's okay. We're going to make a mean golfer out of you. So look out, Bill Addison. I'm going to clean your clock. (laughs) Somebody say amen this morning. 
You see, to apply means you practice. Look at this. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. You are good and you do only good. Let's read that together. You are good and do only good. Read it again. You are good and do only good. One more time. You are good and do only good. How many of you believe that? God is good and he does only good to us in all of our lives. Teach me your decrees. I want you to stand with me this morning. Would you put that last verse up on the screen? This is my prayer. My prayer is that every one of us here will be on an adventure. If Philip could have an adventure, if Peter could have an adventure, if Paul could have an adventure, you can have an adventure with God. And here's what I'd just like you to make your prayer this week. Say it with me. Speak, your servant is listening. Say it again. Speak, your servant is listening. Lord, I thank you for those little nudges. Like we saw illustrated this morning, if we can just get quiet in your presence. You are good, and you only want to do good to us. And maybe we have a friend named Mike that is hurting. Maybe, Lord, we have a wife that needs a little more attention from us. Maybe it's a grandchild that needs a grandmother. Or maybe it's a son that needs a dad. Or, God, maybe it's a neighbor that just needs somebody to come over and sit down and be a friend. God, they're hurting. Maybe they're tempted. And if we build relationships, they'll talk to us, won't they, Lord? They may come to us at nighttime the way that Nicodemus came to you. Lord, they may come to us when we least expect it. But if we're listening to you, God, you'll give us that nudge to love them and to bless them in the name of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I just have a feeling I could be wrong, and if I am, forgive me, but you've got this nudge inside of you. You want to know Jesus. You want to commit your life to Jesus. And maybe there's a struggle going on because right now, You're reflecting and you're trying to imagine what will my life look like if I give myself to Jesus? That's a good question. I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you that you will find forgiveness. You'll find peace. You will find a purpose in your life And you'll find out that you're very, very significant. But you'll find out that there's a God in heaven that wants a close relationship with you. And that's why Jesus came to die for our sins. But if my experience is anything like yours, you're probably also thinking and imagining, reflecting, what will my friends say? What will my wife or my husband say? I'm going to challenge you to do one thing further. Would you get your mind off the tree? Would you quit trying to focus on the tree and focus upon being the man or the woman God wants you to be? And God will do the rest. So if that's you, just pray this prayer silently with me. Lord, I'm nudged. More than nudged, I'm I'm convinced that you are who you say you are. And I'm asking you, would you accept me as I accept your love and your offer of forgiveness of my sins? And would you give me a brand new and a fresh start in life? I don't understand it all. But as much as I know how, I give my life to Jesus Christ this morning. And all God's people said together, 
amen and amen and amen. Well, let's give the Lord one more hand of praise and you may be seated. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and we're going to worship the Lord as we bring our tithes and our offerings to him. If you're our guest today, please feel free to let this pass by you. But I prayed this earlier. This is just part of our worship to bring to God what belongs to him. Selena, thank you for sharing your testimony with us. And uh, we're so proud to have you home. And uh, God bless you. You're flying back today. Y'all be sure and greet Selena. And um, from her testimony, it sounds like she's going to become a preacher as well, doesn't it? That was stirring. We're glad you're back. Lord, receive our tithes and our offerings, our missions gifts. Thank you yesterday for all the missionaries, Lord, for the church planters we were able to bless from this church because of the faithfulness of God's people. Receive our tithes and offerings now with gratitude in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you as you give. Thank you so much. I love you. Well, as you know, today is our Fall Fest, so we hope you will join us immediately after the service for lunch. It's $20 for a family for a chicken dinner. That's pretty good. So if you are planning to be a part of the trunk or treat, if you would please move your car to this front parking lot. Now, if you have your car in that front parking lot and you were not planning to be a part of trunk or treat, I promise you somebody will decorate it, so you better move it. Um, Everybody stand with me this morning. Raise your right hand. I hereby officially make you all members of our hospitality team. You can put your hands down. We will have on our campus this afternoon visitors from all over our community. Those of you that went with us on Wednesday night, we were at Brownstown and gave were part of their trunk or treat, and we gave out invitations to today's services to over a thousand kids. So we'll see what happens. But you represent us. It's not just about uh, people being on our campus, but Find some people today that you don't know. Make them feel comfortable. They may not be new to our campus, but maybe they've been at Woodland for a while and you just haven't met them. So you are officially hospitality greeters today. Becky, we Becky. thank you for being a part. He's waving at me. Becky, hi, sweetheart. If, hi. <laughs> if you're our guest today, we would love for you to stay for dinner. Just tell them back there that you're my guest today, okay? And Becky will pay later. <laughs> But we're just delighted to have you here and uh, put in a good word for my new golf clubs. I'll be happy to pay for your lunch out of his golf club fund. So have, have at it. God bless you. We love you.